We turn in God's holy word to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we read the first 11 verses. We continue in the series that we began a few months ago, uh, a Lord's Supper series on the benefits of justification. The text will be verse 2. Let's read Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, showcased, His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. May God place His blessing upon the reading of that word. The text is verse 2. And we're going to look at this in detail. It will be profitable to keep our Bibles open this morning. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, here in the passage that we just read this morning, the Apostle Paul is spelling out for us the benefits of justification. This is where he is in the letter to the Romans. In the first section of the book, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle has explained just how great man's sin and misery is. The Apostle has uh, shown us that all men are guilty before God, and all men are corrupt through and through, unable to do any good of themselves. That's the first section of the Catechism. That's the first section of the book of Romans. And now in this second section of the book, the Apostle goes on to examine how we are delivered from our sin and misery. 
And having, going, and having gone through in detail in chapters 3 and 4, the glorious truth of justification, justification by faith alone, here in chapter 5, the apostle takes the time to dwell on the benefits of our justification. Hence the series of our series. And just as a reminder, we should all know what that word justification means. The word justification means to be declared righteous. It means to be declared by the judge forgiven. It means that God no longer holds our sins against us, but Jesus has made the satisfaction of the justice of God. And we are those who through faith belong to Jesus. Jesus is the righteousness of God. Through faith, we have Jesus His righteousness is imputed to us. The judge looks at us through Jesus and declares us to be forgiven, declares us innocent, declares us righteous. That's justification. And that's what God declares to us at the Lord's Supper this morning as well. Jesus' body was broken for us. Jesus' blood was shed for us so that our sins have been atoned for and covered over in the sight of God of the judge. Well, last time, as we looked at verse 1, we looked at the first benefit of justification. What's the first benefit? What is the chief and the foundational benefit of being justified by faith? Peace. We have peace with God. We are not at war with God, or maybe to put it even better, God is not at war with us. But God has an attitude of peace towards us so that He loves us and we enjoy a relationship of friendship with Him. And that's because, as verse 1 emphasizes, Jesus is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. Well, in verse 2, the apostle goes on to give a second benefit of justification by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And then really he gives another benefit. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Well, verse 2 is a somewhat challenging verse. There's different ways to understand this verse, but no matter how you understand it, what we need to recognize is that this is a reason for rejoicing. This is a reason for celebrating. There is something good that is mentioned in this verse. That's what we consider this morning, what that good is. We take as our theme, standing in the sphere of grace. Standing in the sphere of grace. And we look at that theme under three points. First, we look at our blessed position. Second, we look at how we arrived in this position. And then third, what we do in this position. Looking at the middle part of the text first, then the first part of the text, and then the last part of the text. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. To understand the passage and what Paul is communicating, the first question we need to ask is this, what is this grace to which the apostle is referring. We have access into this grace. What is this grace 
to which the apostle is referring. Well, if you read some of the commentaries on this passage, some of the, idea, some of the ideas you come across are this, that the reference to this grace is referring back to verse 1, so that the, Paul, the apostle has mentioned grace in verse 1, and now in verse 2, he's pointing back to this grace that he's mentioned back in verse 1. And then, if that's the case, then the options are twofold, what this grace is referring to. Either the apostle is referring us back to the grace of justification, being justified by faith, in verse 1, or the apostle is referring to the grace of peace. We have peace with God. Now, grammatically, that's a possibility, to to go back to verse 1. And I don't think that what I'm about to propose this morning is really significantly different from these other explanations, but to me, those explanations that that understand the phrase, this grace, in verse 2, to refer back to verse 1, are, are lacking something. They, they don't seem to fit with what the apostle is doing in this section, and it seems repetitive. Just consider, in verse 1, the apostle tells us that we have been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. So he's already said in verse 1 that we are justified by faith through Jesus Christ. And now in verse 2, it seems that he goes on to say it again. By whom also we have access into this grace of justification by faith. That seems repetitive and redundant. If, if we've already been justified, what's the significance of saying that we have access into this grace of justification by Jesus Christ? That's already said in verse 1. It's the same thing with the gift of peace. In verse 1, the apostle tells us that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 2, are we to suppose that the apostle goes on to say the exact same thing? By whom also we have access into this grace of peace. That seems repetitive. It seems wordy. He already said that in verse 1. So I think the better way to understand the apostle is to understand that he is giving us here another benefit of justification besides the benefit of peace. He's giving us another distinct benefit besides what has been mentioned in verse 1. Yes, this is a benefit that flows out of being justified by faith alone. It's a benefit that... is enjoyed because we have peace with God, but it's a distinct, different, and and another benefit of justification. And I think one phrase that is helpful to emphasize is that phrase, wherein we stand. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand. And that word wherein, the word in, emphasizes that we are standing in the sphere of grace. We are standing in the sphere of God's grace. And when I say that, that we are standing in the sphere of grace, what I mean is we are standing in the orb of, we're standing in the place of, in the room of, in the environment of, in the atmosphere of. Or maybe to use language that's a little easier to understand, We stand in the kingdom of God's grace, in the land of grace. 
You see, the reality is, there are ultimately two different spheres in which you can stand. Either the sphere of wrath, the place of wrath, the the land of wrath, the atmosphere of wrath, or the sphere of grace. The place of grace, the atmosphere of grace, the, the land, the kingdom of grace. You either stand in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. And in that sense, you either stand in the sphere of ugliness and wrath and weakness, or you stand in the sphere of God's beauty and favor and power. Now in the text, the apostle says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand in grace. We stand in this grace. So what's that referring to? What is that grace? This grace. What is this grace? Well, it's the grace that comes as a result of justification. And it's the grace that comes as a result of having peace with God. And it's this grace. It's, it's this grace. The grace that we are enjoying right now as Christians. And so I don't take the word this as referring back to something in verse 1. But I take the word this as pointing to what we're standing in right now, in our actual lives. The idea is being justified by faith, having peace with God, we now stand in this sphere of grace. What grace? This grace. The grace that surrounds you on every side. The grace of God that you enjoy every day. The grace of God that attends you on your pathway to heaven. Grace, how did we sing it? Grace and truth shall mark the way where the Lord His own will lead. The grace of God is we enjoy it through the means of grace. The grace of God that strengthens us every day to walk our Christian life. We live in a state of grace. We live continually in the sphere of God's grace. We're surrounded by grace. Just like Zion, the city of God, the church of God, is surrounded by mountains, so God's people are surrounded by His grace. I hope you understand the idea then. We stand in a place that's surrounded by grace. That's a benefit. Now, to help us understand this, we should make sure we know what the word grace refers to. The word grace is a very broad term. It can refer to a few different things. There are especially three things when you think of the word grace that are helpful to think about. First, grace refers to beauty. That's the, at the heart of the meaning of the word grace, beauty. Think of a, I teach catechism students like this, think of a figure skater that's, scra- that's skating gracefully on the ice, right? That's graceful movements. That's beautiful, beautiful. Grace is loveliness. Grace is attractiveness. And God is grace. God is gracious. God is in himself the God of all grace, which means that God is the God of all beauty. He's the God of all loveliness and perfection. So first, grace refers to beauty. Second, grace refers to God's undeserved favor. And that perhaps is the first thing that we think of when we hear the word grace. The undeserved love and favor of God. And in his grace, he bestows upon his people many gifts. Grace itself is a gift of God. God gives us his undeserved love. And then third, grace also refers to power. And I think that's so helpful. 
such an important thing to remember. Grace refers to power. It refers to the inner operating power of God, whereby he makes us beautiful, like he himself is beautiful. Right? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Grow in spiritual strength. Grow in power. Or, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. When we pray for grace, that's what we're praying for. Lord, give me power. Give me the spiritual strength to walk in thy ways, to do thy will. So that's what grace is. Grace is God's beauty. Grace is God's undeserved favor. And grace is God's power. And now what the apostle is saying in verse 2 is this. That's the sphere in which you now stand. This is the benefit of justification. You stand in the sphere of grace. What grace? This grace that surrounds you on every side. Think about the beauty in which you now stand. The grace of God, as you understand it, as the beauty of God in which you now stand. Before we were Christians, before we were converted, we were standing in ugliness. We were standing in a world of filth, a world of sin, a world of uncleanness and darkness, a world of ugliness. Not beauty, but ugliness. But now, who we are as the children of God, brought into communion with God through Jesus Christ, look at where we're standing. We're standing in a world of beauty. Look at the beauty of our worship. Look at the beauty of our homes and families. Look at the beauty of our friendships. Friendships in Christ where iron is ironing iron. We're provoking each other unto love and good works. That's beautiful. You didn't have that when you were walking in sin. You didn't have that when you were standing in the kingdom of darkness. But now, being brought into the kingdom of light, that's where you stand. You stand in that sphere of beauty. Think about the favor in which we now stand. Look at how God shows you His favor day by day. He favors you with His presence every day. He, he attends us every day along our way. He favors you with His friendship. He favors you with the hope of everlasting life. He favors you with the, the disposal, the, the pouring out upon you the gift of His Holy Spirit so that you can read His Word and understand it and you're comforted. How many favors doesn't God bestow upon us day by day? This whole sphere in which we live and move and have our being as Christians. It's a sphere of grace. This is the sphere in which we now stand. So that grace surrounds us on every side. And then third, think about the power that God bestows upon us. His beauty and His favor and His power. You have the power to live by faith. You have the power to do the will of the Lord, to walk in good works, to resist the power of the devil. Here at the Lord's Supper, God is going to feed and nourish us so that we are refreshed by His grace and we are strengthened by the means of grace so that we can continue walking along our Christian walk. God gives us grace for each day. Strength, day by day. Grace surrounds us on every side. And that's the meaning of the text. We stand in this grace. All this grace 
that surrounds us on every side. The spiritual beauty we enjoy, the, the favor of God, God's smile, and, and the power of God, all this grace. That's a benefit of justification. Yes, we have peace with God. That's first. And now also this, enjoying peace with God, we also enjoy standing in the sphere of grace. What sphere of grace? This sphere of grace. I don't belong here, but by God's grace, I'm here and I've been brought into this sphere. Communion with the household of faith, this grace. And one thing about that word standing that I would emphasize is this, we stand in it. We don't just sit in it but we stand in it. As one commentary put it, quote, justified believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or an occasional audience with the king. We are privileged to live in the temple and in the palace. Our relationship with God into which justification has brought us is not sporadic, but continuous, not precarious, but secure, end quote. We stand, we abide, and maybe you can say we, we sit in this grace. I guess that's a point I'm going to make a little in a moment from now. We don't just sit, but we stand. But here, we stand in it. This is our dwelling place. That's the blessing the apostle is talking about. That's our entire lives, beloved. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, the grace of God. This is our blessed position. Well, if that is how we understand the middle part of the verse, then the first part of the verse also makes easier sense. In the first part of the verse, the apostle tells us how we arrived in this position, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. By Jesus, we have access into this sphere of grace. Now, to understand that first part of verse 2, we should focus in on that word access. By Jesus, we have access into this grace. And the word access in verse 2 has actually two meanings. First, it means access, like we normally think about it. Just think if you, if you want to get into a building, and that building has a bunch of security, you need access, right? For example, maybe you need to swipe your identification card so that the door unlocks and you can walk in. You have access. Jesus is your access. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access into the sphere of grace. By nature, we are in the sphere of wrath, walking in darkness, the sphere of weakness, the, the sphere of ugliness, the sphere of, of wrath. But through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we have access into the sphere of grace and the kingdom of light. That's pretty straightforward. But the word access also has another meaning. And it, it includes the idea that we just covered, but it includes more than just access. It also means this, an introducer, an intermediary. So the idea is this. Jesus is not just the one through whom we have access to the kingdom of heaven and the world of grace, but Jesus is actually the one who introduces us, who ushers us in to this sphere of grace. Think of a person about to enter into the palace of a king. He's about to enter into the king's presence. Well, not only does he need to have access to the king, 
right, to get through the door, but that person is also not left to himself. But he's ushered into the king's presence by way of the servant of the king. And that's really who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who obtains access for us to enter into the presence of God. And Jesus is himself the one who actually takes us and brings us into the presence of God. Jesus is the one who obtains access for us into the sphere of grace through his atoning death on the cross, through his lifelong obedience. And Jesus is also the one who actually takes us who draws us and who takes us and brings us into this sphere of grace. That's what it means. He is the introducer into this grace wherein we stand. And this is all through faith. That's what the text says as well. Because faith is the bond that unites us to Christ. Through faith, we actually become bone of Jesus' bone and flesh of his flesh And Jesus, of course, is the one who has access to the Father and to the world of the Father's grace. Jesus is the one in whom the Father is well pleased. And because we belong to Jesus through faith, because we're members of his body, we also are brought into this world of the Father's grace, his beauty, his favor, and his power. And beloved, all of this is what we're going to experience this morning at the Lord's Supper. How do you come to the Lord's Supper this morning? How do you actually have the boldness to take up a chair at the banqueting table of God? How do you have the boldness to take and to eat and enjoy the sphere of God's grace? Do we boast in ourselves? Do we look to ourselves for access? No, but it's by Jesus. By Jesus, we have access to the Lord's table. By Jesus, we have access to the means of grace, His merits, His righteousness, who He is as our Lord, and as our righteousness, He is our access. And not only that, but what it also means is this, we come by faith, exercising faith this morning. If we come just physically to the Lord's Supper and we don't exercise faith, We're not going to experience the Lord's Supper as a means of grace. And what does Jesus do? Jesus is the one who works faith in us. Jesus is the one who stokes our faith, who enlivens, who quickens our faith by His Holy Spirit so that our faith is exercised and we enjoy this grace wherein we stand. It is by Jesus that we have arrived here, standing in the sphere of grace. Jesus is our access and Jesus is our introducer into this grace wherein we stand. And then very briefly, what do we do in this position? We are standing in the sphere of grace. What do we do? Well, first, we stand. And the idea here, this is where I want to bring out the point. We don't just sit in the sphere of grace, but we stand in the sphere of grace. We stand as those who fight against the wiles of the devil, We fight against principalities and powers, and having done all, we stand. We continue to stand. We persevere. That's that's part of the meaning that the apostle has here. We continue to persevere in this, enjoying this grace, in the sphere of grace. And then closely connected to that idea is also this. We hope. We hope. As the last part of verse 2 puts it, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And the idea there is this, 
We rejoice in the hope we have of one day being brought to glory, being glorified, being clothed with the glory of God. That's your hope. That you will be clothed with the glory of God. We look forward to the day when we will fully reflect the glory of God in the state of glory. We rejoice in that hope of the glory of God that will be given to us in glory. And that's amazing. Because it's telling us that there's something more. That's the power of this language in verse 2 as well. We're already standing in the sphere of grace. In this world, here below, you are already standing in the best place possible there is to stand. As you live and walk on the earth, you are surrounded by the love and the grace of God in all your pathways. That's your reality. But God says, there's even more coming. There's perfection coming. Right now, you still battle against the old man of sin. Right now, there's still sorrow and grief in this world, but there is more coming. There is glory coming to you. Persevere, stand in this, in this grace, and then also hope and rejoice in that hope of glory. And that's what we do. And that's what the Lord's Supper is for also. Right? What does the Lord's Supper do? Well, in remembrance of me. Right? So we're looking back when we think of when we have the administration of the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. But we're also looking forward. Do this in remembrance of me until when? Until I come again. Until your faith becomes sight and your hope is realized. That's what we do this morning. At the Lord's Supper, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. We celebrate our justification. That God speaks to us that word of forgiveness as the judge. He doesn't hold anything against us. We celebrate the peace that we have with God. A relationship of harmony and tranquility and communion. And we celebrate the access we have by Jesus Christ into this new world of grace into which we are, in which we are standing and in which we live day by day. And then we also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. These are the glorious benefits of justification. Praise be to God for His unspeakable work of grace. Amen.